Are you laughing now? Welcome to episode 10 of Embrace the Suck, the only official, licensed, sanctioned, stainless steel podcast of APG, bringing you two cents worth of free perspective on the heavy-hitting lifestyle. I'm your host, Bill Hart, coming to you almost live from Hollywood, where an entire industry is on lockdown and nothing is getting produced. You know, I had to go back and read that story twice because I wasn't sure if it was supposed to be a feel-good piece or a, or a feels-bad story. But uh, I read through it and, it, and it appears that there's like 40-plus-year-old key grips and cinematographers having to, in their words, wait tables and 10 bar to feed their three kids. And I can dig it. You know, I can appreciate the struggle for the regular people, you know, trying to get by. I'm not completely sure, if you can't make movies, how exactly it is you're waiting tables and tending bar. And two, I didn't think tending bar was that bad of a gig. I mean, I thought it was all right. But I kind of wanted to spend a minute on this story because um, regardless of how you feel about Hollywood or mass media entertainment, it does raise a few questions about the nature of earning a living in modern America. So, I mean, entertainers, you know, especially actors, have always been popular. You know, I mean, people know more about William Shakespeare than they do about about kings or wars or inventions or even entire empires. But it seems like the, the modern West now has taken it to this new level where what you do and who you are online or relative to entertainment media says more about you than just about anything else in your entire life. I mean, if you like say you wanted to speak to somebody's prestige, you know, or quality of person they are saying something uh, about who they hang out with, like you say they hang out with actors and rock stars that says more about them than almost anything else you could come up with, which I think is interesting because throughout a lot of history, especially the Middle Ages, actors and entertainers were the most despised people on the planet, and primarily because they don't produce anything. So an interesting perspective on that, I thought, is uh, if you're familiar with Ayn Rand, the woman who wrote that book, that giant doorstop of a book, Atlas Shrugged, and I don't know what anyone's thoughts are on the total philosophy behind her writing, or whether you agree with it or not. I mean, me, there are parts of it I like and parts of it I don't, but she had an interesting perspective on the structuring of society. Her idea was that as a society becomes more and more complex, people are able to earn a living further and further away from subsistence level tasks. So subsistence level tasks being like growing food, right? Putting up fences to keep the wolves out and not subsistence level tasks like, you know, playing the flute or something. Nothing against flute players, but it's not keeping anyone alive, right? So for example, if 10,000 random people just got dropped on an uninhabited clone of Earth, every single one of those people would spend all day, every day, focusing on food, shelter, and getting water, and trying to keep themselves in one piece, and you know, trying to organize some sort of societal order. But our society, modern society, has evolved to a point where only a few people have to focus on catching fish or making sure the lights stay on, and now... Increasing numbers of people can earn a living by doing things like like playing the flute or designing restaurant menus. And that's all well and good until we get to this point where we begin to see people whose means of survival is limited to influencing other people in what they think about things they see on social media, right? Like influencers, social media influencers, they call them, I guess. Because apart from being, I don't know, I just want to say unsavory 
when we have so many, I guess, non-critical industries depending on so few people performing those subsistence level tasks, it makes for a very fragile society, right? And it's like the taller you stack that that house of cards, the more likely it is to fall over. And that's where we are now. And I mean, I'm guessing before this thing kicked off, nobody really bragged about having like uh, a brother-in-law in the meat packing packing business. But um, I mean, now those are the people to know, right? Because now what are they talking about in the news? Like, oh, hey, better get your chicken because there's going to be chicken shortages. And so like first it was toilet paper and now it's chicken, right? So what's it going to be next week? Anyway. So however this thing shakes out in a couple months, this is, I think, a good chance to take a look at the situation around you because spending time with your family and tending to the things within arm's reach instead of demanding that constant distraction, I mean, this is not a distraction from real life. This is real life. So take a minute and enjoy it. But a quick beard update before we get into this week's topic. Uh, staring at the business end of week nine, and at this point I'm looking like a very convincing flannel salesman. So, you know, if if you were a lumberjack and I say, hey, man, I think this this is a nice tartan for you. It, it goes nicely with the axe. You're going to think that I know what I'm talking about. I'm not. It's not terribly outdoorsy looking yet, but it's not bad off either. So uh, making progress, making progress, progress is taking place. So the topic for this week, the situational you. So I wanted to kind of talk about you know, there's, I think there's this impression, you know, among, among some people that, you know, you, you start putting out hard and you got to be that way all the time. You got to be switched on all the time. And, and I don't think that's the case. And it's, it tends to, to undo progress you make in some aspects of life. So I kind of wanted to hit on that. So with us, with APG, we talk a lot about self-improvement and becoming the best version of you that you can possibly be. I think it's, it's also important to know then that it's not a one size fits all proportion. And, um, I think a perfect illustration of this is the the Concorde aircraft. So some younger cats might not know what this is. Concorde, this was an airplane that they came out with. Uh, it was developed in the late 60s and used through the like the 70s, 80s, 90s. And uh, it got retired in, I think it got officially retired in 2003. But it was, it, it, it basically it went really, really fast but it was really, really expensive. So it was primarily used by British Airways and Air France, and uh, it was only one of two supersonic commercial services. So the other was uh, a Soviet product. So no telling if that actually even went anywhere. They just put it on the news like, yes, we have supersonic and it's good. Say it's good. Yes, it's very good. Who knows? But the idea with this thing was a round trip between New York and London, uh, in 1997, this thing cost about $8,000 per ticket. So round trip, New York, London, 8K, that's about $12,500 in today's money. And, and that does seem like a lot, but if you've spent any time in airports, I mean, I don't know. It's, uh, it's kind of a toss-up, just about like uh, 12000 man. I could see fronting that. But the idea here was that uh, it made the trip in about three and a half hours as compared to the seven and a half to, to eight hours that it takes right now. So that's, that's about four hours less of you getting your knees and elbows whacked by someone who, for some reason, doesn't like you personally. Anyway, uh, looking at that, that concept, is it better though? I mean, it seems like it's better, right? Like faster is better. Uh, but there are problems with trying to perform at that level. So flying that fast, an aircraft that flies that fast, tears the wings off. Basically, you're going fast enough that it's going to tear the wings off. So they had to design this thing so that the wings were more tapered back, you know, like uh, like Top Gun, right? 
So it looks more like a skinny triangle. They call it the slender delta design. I think I'm going to design some new 80s type clothes and call it slender delta. I think that's kind of money. Anyway, um, so along with this slender delta design, these wings provide less lift at lower speeds. So to take off, this thing needs a monster engine. So a monster engine, this means more weight and more weight means more fuel, right? So you can see where this starts to become complicated. So it also means that the angle it connects with the runway, whether it's taking off or landing, it's, it's going to come in at a harsher angle. So that requires specially designed landing gear. And I, if, when, when you see a picture of this thing, you'll know what I'm talking about. The nose of this airplane bent downwards so that the pilots could see what's going on. Like they had to actually make the nose of the thing so it would bend downwards so they could look out there and see what they're doing because it had to come in at such an angle. But it also made the plane look very French for my money. So when they're taking off, they're like, allez, allez. And then when they're landing, it's like, oh, that's just what I think. But you look at the picture, you arrive at your own conclusion. So uh, going from there, though, once this thing was in the air, that's when the complication really starts. So all I wanted, it was a saw four hours off of my New York to London time. But all these complications and now the big complications come in. So check it out. So going that fast... Caused air com causes air compression against the outside of the aircraft, right? So increased air pressure means increased heat. So if you're familiar with diving, right, as the pressure increases, the heat increases. And heated metal surfaces expand. So when heated metal surfaces expand, that means on this thing that the fuselage would, uh, could expand up to 12 inches. So they had to accommodate for that. Now, once it's up and flying... To reduce the amount of fuel that this thing used, the Concorde had a maximum altitude of 66,000 feet, but it stayed at around 50,000 feet compared to where normal airliners now travel, which is about 35 to 40,000 feet. So the problem with that is that it exposed passengers to a double dose of radiation that you typically get from air travel. So basically, the higher you go in the atmosphere, the less atmospheric protection you have, so the more radiation you get. So this thing, having to fly higher it would get more radiation. Good deals for you, right? In any case, they had to install a detector to let them know if there had been too much radiation exposure for the passengers, and then they have to come down in altitude. So when we look at the whole picture of this thing, uh, better, yeah, it's better, but it's also not better. So like so many things, it also, it just kind of depends. If, if all you really want is that faster flight time, or you, know, you want to achieve some of these technological advances, then yes, better. But in a, it takes a lot of other accommodation. And the takeaway from this is that you trying to accomplish more in your day, more in your life, are exactly the same way. Because when you try to go big in some part of your life, that means accommodating in every other part of your life. Like nothing in your life exists in a vacuum, right? Every, you, you try to put more hours at the beginning of the day, you're going to have to pay for it at the end of the day, right? If you're going to stay up late at the end of the day, it means you're not going to be able to get up early and so on, all right? All these aspects of your life, they all depend on each other. So actually being a success, and when I say success here, I'm meaning accomplishing what you mean to accomplish and then coming out of it in one piece. Yeah, kind of like you might summit Mount Everest, but it's not exactly a success if you end up as a permanent popsicle halfway down the mountain, right? So actually succeeding, it means adjusting your mindset both for what you mean to accomplish as well as whatever it's going to take to get you through day-to-day -day life in one piece. 
because the you that is out there crushing it, you know, climbing Mount Everest or whatever you're trying to do, it's not the same you that you want helping your kid with his homework. And I'm saying that firsthand because, I mean, when I was still in the SEAL teams that I was, you know, I try to help my kids with their homework. And they're like, oh, I'm tired. I'm so tired. It's, oh, really? Are you are you getting shot at? I've been awake for a week, tired, tired like that. And they're now they're just upset. So that doesn't help. And this is the same kind of thing that you see spill over into into the kind of hypervigilance associated with PTSD. So hypervigilance, that's uh, that kind of constant switched on feeling that some guys with PTSD will have. And I mean, when I came back, when I came back from from Iraq and from Afghanistan and, and even from the Philippines because of how weird it was. Uh, I mean, I had a little bit of that hypervigilance thing going on. And the weird thing is you don't even really know that you're doing it. But, I mean, you really feel like, you know, if, if somebody cuts you off in the grocery store with a shopping cart, like your thought process immediately goes to, hey, what if we have words? If we have words and that guy touches me, I'm going to have to open this guy up. And what if he's got friends with him? I'm going to have to do something to them, too. And it just snowballs like this, this hypervigilance for looking for this worst case scenario. Because just like the expression you've heard that you got to pick the right tool for the right job, right? I mean, you wouldn't use like plumbing pliers to wind your watch. You got to be the version of you who's best able to deal with the day that's in front of you. So that's about all I got for today. Um, if you get a chance, take a look at our website, uh, www.apg.team. You can see what we have going on there. And you can sign up for our Tuesday tip of the week that comes out on, huh? yes, Tuesday. If you have questions or comments, you can send us an email at info at apg.team. And until next time, ladies and gents, as the sun sets slowly in the east, I will leave you with the words of Mark Twain, who reminds us that we in these United States have the best government that money can buy.